Hey everybody, Jay Shlansky here from the Fifth Trooper Network. I just want to take a moment to thank you for checking out this show. Did you know that over at thefifthtrooper.com we have tons of other content, including blogs, other podcasts, all kinds of stuff. In addition, if you want access to exclusive content, you can join us on patreon.com slash thefifthtrooper and join at any level and you'll get access to uh, exclusive blog articles, access to our private Discord, and much more. So please, Check us out, and thank you so much for all your support. Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello, and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels. My name's Mike. I am here along with other Mike and Tim. Guys, welcome back. Dad's away today. He's uh, he's he's a little sick, so um, we're gonna have some notorious scoundrels fun while Kyle is uh, recuperating. Um, looking forward to talking Legion today. Yeah, we'll get a little NS after dark. Yeah. Yeah. That was Even very enthusiastic, wrote. Tim. It was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I just finished my last midterm. Just had a great meeting about a big conference. We're vibing. Nice, nice. Um, so we've got a couple uh, topics we're going to talk today. Uh, before we do that, I do want to just, um, we normally don't do plugs at the moment, but I'm going to plug a new thing that I decided I was doing today um, and posted in the Fifth Trooper Discord. Um, so I'm going to start a new video series in the next like month or two, um, depending on how many submissions I get for this. Um, if you are a fifth trooper Patreon member, you will have access from now on to a Google link, uh, that is like a submission form so that you can kind of upload, um, questions for turn zero and, um, kind of like in-game questions about scenarios and situations uh, that I'm going to kind of like debrief and go over in a video um, style format. Um, I've been watching like a lot of like StarCraft videos on people doing stuff like this. And I'm like, this is this, we can do this. This is easy. Um, and uh, easy is not the right word, but it's like, I think it, it could be very constructive and and help people in the community kind of maybe figure out their choices Uh and maybe open up a, a place for us to talk about stuff like that. So looking forward to that. Uh, if you're a Patreon member, you can find the Google link on the Discord. We'll probably also post it in the Patreon. Um, that stuff will eventually make its way to members that are not Patreon members or like people that are not Patreon members, but Patreon members will be getting all those videos first and stuff. So um, if you're not a Patreon member and you're looking for some additional input, uh, that's a good way to do it, um, is to sign up for the Patreon and go ahead and do that. Anywho, we are going to talk today about um, focus pieces and how to choose focus pieces and kind of the direction that um, higher level Legion has taken over the last um, maybe six months or so and how people feel about it and what it means and some stuff like that. Um, but before we do that, let's uh, let's kick into the focus pieces. So, Mike, um, you brought up that you wanted to kind of talk about like different bounty hunters and how to decide like which ones go in different styles and different lists. Um, you wanna you wanna lead us off here? Yeah. So one of the ideas that I had was that 
if you're talking about empire list building right now, specifically, there's a lot of different pieces that you have that you can function in a, in a double bounty setup. You can pair Aiden or, or Callus with yeah, something around seven different operatives at the moment. So choosing those operatives, whether it's Bosque, whether it's Boba, whether it's one of the IGs, takes a decent bit of thought and then a little bit of list crafting around it. So I thought it might be kind of interesting to talk about how are you kind of choosing the things that they do? Because like Bosque and Boba are two very different units that cost pretty close to the same and fill the same slot. But then what do you put around them? You know, are you looking at the longer range crits and do you start with that focus piece idea and then build the shell around it? Do you start with the shell and then choose your focus piece? And I thought it might be an interesting kind of like round table discussion. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, I know you've got some thoughts on this. How do you, <laughs> how do you start? So I always start in the exact same way, which is decide what the characters are slash focus pieces. Cause not all focus pieces are characters, but in general characters are before the rest of the list um and one of the things for me is that i figure out my command cards not to the not exactly to the t before the whole list is decided but like command cards are very much a choice up along the force pieces early on in the list building process um and part of it is that i hate leaving command cards at home um you'll not find me running a lot of lists with like many characters in them um and that's mostly just a me excuse me preference style thing yeah i think that's a pretty good way to open the discussion as well because let's start with boba fett for example um if you're looking at building a list that's based around boba fett you've got six command cards to deal with so that directly influences your thinking on what focus pieces or what things you pair with him because are you giving up the value of the six cards that he brings because arguably five of them are pretty top tier and if you are giving some of those up, what are you giving up? And then what are you bringing along to replace it? Um, I'll give a concrete example. Um, history pip slot is pretty competitive, um, especially in Empire specifically. Jetpack Rocket, Rule with Respect, are two pretty strong command cards. Um, Jetpack Rocket's good at providing that armor punch. It gets the bounty target. And then Rule just beefs your entire army. But if you're looking at dropping one of those and bringing another character, you might consider something like Bosk, who brings in the range four that, you know, he's got the um, lying in wait to replace the jetpack rocket. That might influence you to bring a, a character like that with the longer range instead of something like IG-88, who really doesn't have a long range command card. He's got a steady card, but it's not exactly that that range four nuke and that anti-armor punch. Yeah, and I think, I think to your point there about command cards, uh, and and Tim, you bring it up kind of how command cards define the rest of your list. One of the things that strikes me is that, you know, if if you're planning on taking all of Boba's command cards or most of them, I think I think Bosk is a much better option, right? Bosk is much more agnostic of whether he needs to actually like you don't need to have any Bosk command cards in your list for Bosk to be a good unit, right? Yeah. Um, I feel very differently about IG-88. Like if you don't play <laughs> IG-88's like permanent cards and stuff, like I think he's got he's got at least one that's permanent, right? And I think the yep. other one gives him steady. Te technically two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so like you kind of need those command cards in order to charge IG-88 up the way that you want him to play. So like you're, you're giving up two of Boba's cards um, if your intent is to play with all of Boba's cards. Yeah, and I'm going to counter that a little bit. Um, like Luke and I at Worlds were the two Boba IG-88 players for the double bounty. 
Um, we actually took five Boba and one 88 card because we don't feel like he needs the cards because okay. he's essentially just a short trooper with Pierce. That's fair. And which, I think uh, that, which one did you drop? Uh, the only one that we took was a steady card. So you didn't take any of the permanent cards? Took none of the permanents. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. He doesn't, in our in our opinion, he's a core trooper and doesn't need him. And I think that leads into the shell discussion because you can function IG-88 in two very different roles. Sure. You can make him a focus piece. You can add scopes. You can add hunter. You can give him his permanent cards. And now he's a pretty, pretty potent bounty hunter, almost Bosk-like. Or you can not fill out your heroes as much, invest a little bit more in the core, and essentially have two to three shores plus IG-88 who, to your point with Bosk and his agnostic timing, still functions because he's got the range three, the range four poke. And you don't really care as much if he dies because he's only 110 points. He just doesn't have the upgrades. He doesn't have command cards that you're losing. And that affects your list building quite a bit. And that's going to go into the command cards and did you choose to take them or not. So let's talk about that that choice a little bit more than I guess. Um, because I'm actually now that now that we're we we haven't actually talked about this decision one-on-one. <laughs> you know, I don't, um, and so um it's it's interesting because to me, if you're gonna use IG88 in the capacity of uh like not bringing his command cards or or bringing very few of them, you know, and you're kind of like leaning into the range for like version of him, and maybe maybe this is where it goes off the rails a little bit is that like if i'm leaving into a range for like operative that is not taking command cards like i would much rather have bosk than than ig88 i think that's true depending upon the meta um i you were on our legion 99 cast with me about a month ago and we talked about like what the meta is and how to define it and i think bosk and 88 are a pretty meta dependent call mm -hmm. um if we're talking about like the world's list that i mentioned we were in the blizzard era. Um, <laughs> Bosk doesn't live there. <laughs> he can't sure. hide from the bikes, can't hide from the bombard. So even if you have a timing agnostic unit, you need it to be able to tank a shot or two. Sure. And a red save armor one can. Bosk obviously can't. With what we're looking at now with a lot more clone pieces, uh, more like static gunline play, I think Bosk gets a lot better because you can hide him. You don't have to worry about the quad bikes coming at you as often. And you can just kind of let him float around and take a shot every turn. So I think that also the timing of when you're choosing to play them really takes a front step there. You know, is it more of a poke and prod gun line play? Is it more of a, I just need to weather the W rush and then hit back? 100%. Yeah, so what I'm hearing a little bit is like, okay, we're going to sacrifice some of the range for offense on Bosk for, you know, kind of upgrading to red saves and armor one because... That was the meta you were in at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Range four pierce is great, but if you never get to shoot the gun, why are you taking it? Yeah, or you only shoot it <laughs> once, right? right? Like like Bosk and IG-88 are both pieces um, where if you only shoot their gun once, they're not worth their points, right? Like you, you have to you have to actually put that gun into, into a unit somewhere between probably two and four times to get actual value out of that unit. I would agree. Yep, 100%. But you can also talk about the command cards because arguably in a Gar heavy meta, IG-88's one pip is the best of his cards. Yep. If Yoda and Anakin can't spend <laughs> their tokens, their saves really aren't that great. I mean, Yoda still has the four up, but you know, I mean, and also IG just consistently the, hits five. All, all the clones in general too, 
suddenly they can't spend green tokens and they are sad boys. Well, I think I think it's only the bounty target. It's only the bounty target. Oh, yeah. or only a bounty target. A, a, yeah, only no. a bounty. Sure, no, sure. It's, any any like, target anybody, with bounty, right? right any target yeah, yeah, yeah. with bounty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oopsies. I'm You're smart. Good. I swear. Um, <laughs> clone commanders get bountied. <laughs> yeah, clone, clone commanders are real squishy due to that card. That, I mean, that's one of the reasons I like shy away from clone commanders in general. Is that you know the bounty hunters kind of eat them up pretty, yeah. pretty soundly. They're a like weak underbelly to a lot of clone lists. I've one uh, shot a fair few of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> four health is not a lot. Um, I am interested. How do you guys feel about focused on the kill generally, and how, like. Obviously, focused on the kill is like very good against anybody that is going to be like generating tokens a lot. I feel like in the current meta, that's mostly Republic heroes, whether that be Padme or Anakin or Yoda. Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of Rebel heroes that do that too, and other heroes kind of matter like a lot less. Although I guess Commander Vader's surge tokens are relevant. Um, so. Do you feel like focused on the kill is that good even in the Gar matchup? Just because I, I feel like right now most of the republic heroes are are token batteries that are like if in order to get them you kind of have to expose ig to actually get in shot at like range three by units that are a lot tougher than him i think it depends on the gar hero sure if it's anakin i think it's a key part of your plan um if it's yoda i don't think so because ig is going to get one shot before he gets clapped back and he's probably not surviving that clapback. Almost certainly not. Yeah, the the arc fire support by the let's say the RPS to get the impact two into the armor one is going to uh to probably one shot him. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't say that focus on the kill is that great against a Yoda list. Um I think it's situationally good and you kind of have to save it for late game. Um one of the things that having bounty hunters as your focus pieces lets you do is run some slightly higher activation lists, like a pretty solid 10-11, that you can kind of hold them towards the end. And if you're playing a, an objective against the Yoda list that's seven to eight activations and it's turn five or six on KP on intercept, it might be okay to throw him forward at that point because you've gotten three to four turns of, of poking. But it's definitely not an early game strong card unless you get really lucky on your saves. Or you just played early, so you have the permanent like permanent mm-hmm. effect anyway. It also pairs with his whichever pip it is that gives him a name when he orders himself, right? Because there's not that many ways for him to order himself, so a name on him is usually pretty good. Um, IG-80 also is like fairly, especially against clones, where like if you don't get go first against clones and your last first like whatever you left out there could just get pushed off the table with a fire support. But IG-88, because he stays on the table for the end phase regardless, like, if you're willing to sacrifice him, you can guarantee two shots with the last first. Um, and even if you go first, you could, like, go with a different unit. Um, right? If you know that IG-88, whether he lives or not, is not critical to your game plan, you could just, like, leave him out there so that if they shoot it, well, they have to shoot him, otherwise he'll live. But if they shoot him and kill him, well, you still get to shoot him so he is able to like guarantee a last first, even though he might still die, but he still gets the two shots off, which could be enough. He's got that martyrdom perk. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think um, that's that's definitely a strong strong part of part of his kit. Um, 
so let's uh let's kind of expand this conversation i think to things that are maybe outside like boba and bosk and ig like how how can we kind of morph what we're talking about here into like how this works in rebels well rebels i pick one or two heroes and then go from there <laughs> Is there like a couple guiding factors that choose as to like why you're picking said heroes? Because they do have like eight or nine you can choose from these <laughs> days. <laughs> yeah, it's a little analysis paralysis. I mean, in general, like, I mean, and we're also talking about like the meta of like, you know, we've gone a little bit from more aggressive meta. We're sort of in a transitionary period to a little bit more defensive. Um, I keep doing the opposite because when like LVO 2021 was super defensive, I played Wookiees. And like last year Worlds and LVO, I played a like defensive gun line. So I'm just weird. But um, in general, I sort of like kind of know what style of list I want before I start anything, right? You know, if you want to build, like if I go, okay, I'm going to build a defensive pokey list. Well, then you start to look more at your Cassians, your um, just Rebel Officers, things like that, the backline support heroes. If you're looking at like, I want to run and gun, well, then you're looking on Lando, that kind of thing. Um, or like Sabine, if you want to like, throw bombs um and then also like i mean rebels because they have so many heroes is also difference but like there's also the big choice of like force user not force user um and like i know that before i start like any for any unit goes in um i know am i putting a force user in or not because that's really a huge determining factor for list. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I know that a lot of people disagree with me, but I'm still in camp. Like, if you don't have Forest Bush, like, I don't know what you're doing. Um, but I, I obviously, Mike, your your guys' world's list didn't didn't have Forest Bush in it. So uh, <laughs> I've come around to it. I've come around to it. I mean, <laughs> have changed a little bit. Yeah, I definitely think the 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 meta right now, I think, supports the Forest Bush even more than it than it did back then. Um, but it just uh, it, it's just one of those tools that like leaving it at home feels like you're leaving a lot on the table. That's all. Yep. I, I mean, I started the first year, year and a half, two years of me playing like any competitive list I ran and almost all lists, I didn't have four Caesars. Part of it was I just didn't understand how they worked yet. Um, but like I was pretty adamant to not, not doing four Caesars. And then since that time i've almost never brought a non-force user list to a competitive event as soon as i started bringing force users like it's really hard to go back <laughs> yeah and i think if we're talking about a shell um and like knowing that ahead of time the presence of force push also affects everything else that you do totally. um because a big thing with legion right now is there's a huge prevalence for tying mm -hmm. um just with how the rules and battle decks have shaped out and force push lets you break ties because you change and move objectives and, and such as we've beaten to death. So if you don't have that, you know that your shell has to be something that excels at all of the movement-based objectives. Yeah. So if you know for the start that I'm not bringing this push, your focus piece has to then be something that excels at mobile objectives, you know, breakthrough, bombing run, hostage, if you want to call it mobile. And then you have to build your shell around that. I would, I don't know if this is like a hundred percent um, tried and true here, but I sort of feel like 
if you don't have force push in your list, you probably have to be bidding right now. Um, I think. I think that's probably correct. And I maybe think. that bid is just four or five points, but I do think you need a bid. Yeah, because yeah. like, like if you are, um, like you know, if you get KP or even like evaporators, like against force users, isn't great. Um. I don't know. Like, there's just like a lot of situations where a force push on some objectives really, really hoses you, um, and you need to make sure that you're not playing those objectives. Yes, I mean most of the objectives, uh, having a force user or not, is often difference between like two or three units doing that objective. Yeah. Right. No matter what, it, like if it's KP payload, like a force user is can easily be. A like two or three unit swing on like how that like the balance of power on those objectives, which means your shell has to have bounty. <laughs> you've got you've got to make up for those three point those three yeah. units somehow. Yeah, I would say bounty or a secret mission, but secret mission really isn't quite good enough anymore well, to really. If you bring... have a secret mission, you also have a force user. Let's be real. <laughs> Likely, sure, sure, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> You also only conditionally have secret mission, but yes. <laughs> R2 is a thing. Okay. I didn't say he's a good thing. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. He, he is a thing to throw in if you have a big Republic Saber tank or some other, like, like really, he is a repair bot and pretty expensive one at that, and secret mission's an afterthought. Yeah. Like, that's how we, that's how he exists right now. Yeah. Agreed. I, yeah, and, and I think secret mission is also, um, kind of a little bit of a trap right now with with how defensive lists are it's kind of hard to get into deployment zones um in any way shape or form because like stepping into range two or three of an enemy deployment zone is just asking to get shot off the board um whereas bounty you know obviously you can score by skirting the skirting the edges and stuff um secret mission also gets pushed out exponentially as bounty goes up like when yeah. secret mission was super prevalent bounty hunters were nowhere to be found and as they came up like bringing a four wound r2 is asking for a swing a negative swing on points at this point yeah if the clone commander at four wounds is squishy <laughs> <laughs> r2 of four wounds is what tissue paper yeah uh, it depends on the list i mean like yeah, yes and in, in, i guess in a vacuum for sure but like once you get him a suppression token if he's like sitting in a land speeder or something like you're feeling you're feeling pretty good yeah i mean r2 has one place he's seen right now which is a shrift stepping on him first turn and then just throw more suppression tokens on but Uh, but even even there his like primary role is really a repair bot totally totally he's just kind of there to repair stuff and you speed him into the objective zone like the last turn or whatever um i guess the second to last turn technically um we're the middle of the table turn three you know (laughs) (laughs) only if you want him to die um so when i want to go back to the command cards that we were talking about earlier and like filling command hands how often do you guys look at characters like callus or lando to kind of bridge that gap like do you guys put emphasis on contingencies in your rebel and imperialists because of you know how clogged their command hand can end up being with the 
amount of focus pieces that they can bring or characters that are focus pieces? For me, no. Um, and what I tell my local play community, because like I have a few locals who really love Kidigesis, and like Kidigesis has its place. Um, but what I say to them is like, at the end of the day, if Kidigesis lets you actually play more different command cards, I would have a different opinion. But right now, like in general, just pick your best six, um, because contingent like I don't think there's enough command cards that are situational enough versus just good command cards to make contingencies worth it in the most part if you want to bring land or callus for other reasons like their own command cards like if you're only bringing them for contingencies i think you're throwing points away if you're bringing them for their whole package then there's an argument to be made there yeah i'm in a pretty similar boat um i've done a lot of like callus building lately and i value contingencies a lot but i think the chassis that it's attached to is just too weak to justify spending 100 points um why don't you just take Bosk instead of Kallus if you're going to spend 105, 110 points? Um, if Contingencies was on like an upgrade card, I think it would value it a ton. Yep. Um, but it's not. So every time that I play with those units, the contingency part is a nice to have, but you can definitely build around it. You can tailor your list that you don't need the card that's in the maybe pile today. And you can just bring something that's more effective for 100 points. Sure. So what I'm hearing there is that when you guys are kind of building these lists, um primarily like contingencies doesn't factor into how you feel about the shell at all like if you're take if you have contingencies it's because you wanted callus or you wanted lando specifically because of their command suite is opposed and you and you got contingencies as an extra yeah 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 the uh yeah the if if contingencies were like a 10 15 point command upgrade i would could easily see myself throwing that in to the odd list but when it's on such a restrictive units it's tough and to make to make those units cheap enough to to make contingencies worth it you skimp out on a lot of their upgrade cards and now they're a wet noodle yep you're kind of hamstringing yourself to like maybe bring a flamethrower or maybe bring a steady card sure yep. that's fair um i did try can we talk about like non-released units here yet like inquisitors yeah i mean we I can i, I, I think we've shied away from talking about the uh terrible terrible thing that's going to happen to all of us in six months or whatever <laughs> all but... right well i can i can keep it super brief um, I, no i'm, I'm yeah, okay yeah. with talking about this let's do okay. it <laughs> so i i've been trying a decent bit of like callus and inquisitors and trying callus the inquisitors and actually ig88 because sure. he's pretty timing agnostic <laughs> yep um and just kind of seeing that around and I've played around with Callus there for the contingencies and it just kind of doesn't do anything. Um, as we've talked about with like taking five or six cards, you want all the, all of the inquisitor command cards. Yeah. And like Tim said, those maybes or situational cards are just not potent enough to justify it in the slightest. It's one of those things where like you are you are paying for options when you're already paying for power and you might like don't sacrifice the power for options like that generally the power is good enough that like you don't need to do that i think yeah. um i'd agree and and it's, it's like specifically in that position too like i've also found contingencies can be quite limiting or just like absolutely stabbing in the back because so you have your inquisitors and ig88 and callus so you have like let's say all the Inquisitor cards 
are your five or six or whatever. And the other one, you have some others in continuous as well. So now to play your IG-88 or Callus cards, you got to like discard Inquisitor cards, which feels really bad, limiting your options for later. Uh, suddenly an Inquisitor dies, and not only do you lose the value of the Inquisitor and our command cards, but also the command cards that are now locked in your contingencies. If you're playing a list where you're like, oh, I want unlimited options, so I'm going to like put Assault into my hand and have like two, three pips in contingencies, and now your Callus dies, well, then you've locked yourself out of those cards. Like It just spreads the risk so much, whereas if you're going to play, because there's an IG-88, just play those three units and know not to get them killed. Or like IG eighty could die, but like right, like yeah. if you're and also if you're playing like suddenly you're bringing Callus, you're losing some meat in your list because now you have a flimsy character instead of another solid unit. So now you have to take more risks with your characters, and then you get them killed and you lose all the value they bring anyway. I think the only exception to the rules that we've rules that we've put out here is um, Lando and IG eleven. Yep, hundred uh, percent. Lando. Being able to take out the self-destruct card and actually like provide value for Ace in the Hole via contingency to get IG in order and avoid the AI makes him very usable. Sure. Um, so <laughs> that's probably the one exception I will say, but it's the only one I can think of. I I mean, can can is IGD or IG eleven a mercenary? He is, so you have to take UC. But Ace in the Hole, like the getting the order out of the. Like out of the sky, I don't think works with even with UC. I thought well, I would have to look at the ruling, I but I thought the ruling was actually the reverse of that. Um, when when I was doing that trick, with <laughs> I've only had it done to me. Okay, I think it's when been I, changed a couple times. Oh, okay. Because I don't know. I, I was playing Rebel Boba Lando, and I was told I wasn't allowed to do that. <laughs> um. I'll attempt to find it as we're talking. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm trying to look it up right um, now too. But I mean, while you guys are looking, like that that specific, and it also shows like Lando's contingencies aren't just about the contingencies, but you can play the two pip from contingencies, right? So you are getting more value than just extra cards. Like you're getting a card that you can toss away to get extra value out of. Mm-hmm. Um, if Callus had one of his cards had a similar effect. I would be. I would look much more favorably favorably upon Callus. I would agree with that. Yep. Um, just because that, like contingencies with Callus, there are many games where you'll never use them. Yeah. Um, whereas Lando, you're pretty much always going to use at least one of his contingency cards because you're going to throw it away at some point for an order. So. The the post that I found was on January seventeenth. Um, and the question, the direct question on the forums is if Lando has allies of convenience, can Lando discard Ace up his sleeve to issue an order to a mercenary? The response was the text of Ace up his sleeve in the event it is revealed and discarded from your command hand or contingencies does not state that Lando is issuing an an order to the selected unit as the order is not being issued by a unit. It may be issued to a mercenary unit regardless of affiliation. Oh, so you can do it. Yes, that this is and my you, understanding of how that works. Correct, oh. and you don't need UC because there's no unit actually issuing the order. There's your improv. So, yeah. <laughs> so guess what I'm bringing back to the table? Because <laughs> I really enjoyed that list. Yeah, I mean, I think January 17th was before 
before the rule book up uh it's after because this is the weird timing that we had on the crucible cast with the pad okay. Macy's. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah. <laughs> that I was right about. I just yeah, like, that you like were right to... about. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But this was the exact same date. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, there's stuff like that all the time. I still, you know, I, it's one of those things where like I don't even know. I I will say in my Invader summer semifinals game the other day, um, I was playing against Seth, who does a lot of the moderation stuff and uh, and and like the forum rulings. And I asked him before the game, I was like, so can you actually, like, I haven't looked this up ahead of time. I know you're playing Luke. I'm playing Yoda. What is the current status of like <laughs> what Yoda can, or what, what Luke can spend with serve your master well? Can you, because I haven't checked. <laughs> um, and uh we, you know, we we figured it out and landed on it. But what is the current status? The current status is that As I bring um, he can spend all Next the tokens time. and like, so he can like spend all of Yoda's luminous tokens um, with oh, that's the so unit much fun. that is serving. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's unfair or whatever. Like if you know that it's in play, it's one of those things that you just play around. Right. And like, if, if Luke is in like dive range, you just don't play luminous right like and or or you play luminous to get him to dive with serve yeah. so, so, that, you, so that you can then kill him if you force push one of their units with relentless then do you get to trigger the shot yes yes because the unit has relentless yeah, yeah for sure. that's what that's what i thought i just wondered. oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah i'll bring luke next weekend <laughs> I think so. It's funny. I played Luke last weekend at my local just because, like, everybody's been telling me Luke is terrible, and <laughs> and I played Commander Luke. And look, the list wasn't very good. It was like it was. It was. You, I think Mike, I may have sent it to you. I don't you know. Did. Yeah. Um, like it was fine. I really am not very good at FD turret placement. Like, and <laughs> I I haven't like it was the first game maybe in like four years that I've played with like an FD turret. And um, yeah, uh, I just, I got to work on that. But Luke, he's hella good. I don't know what people are talking about. Like, like even Commander Luke, I know that this, this variance is significantly higher than it should be, but like my Commander Luke full of surprise and took like three melee, like full melee Wookiee attacks and took zero wounds like with with one dodge token from the car uh, you're gonna chase that high for so long maybe you'll never it find it again you'll <laughs> never find it again maybe i don't, I don't know like <laughs> i i i get that um that was like a high above average variance but like he probably could have tanked two of those attacks yeah. like you know you know and still not died like the fact that he took no wounds was like pretty crazy i was definitely expecting him to die that turn and he didn't um and it was because of full of surprises i i don't know um i think commander luke is still a pretty busted unit as far as like what his command cards can do um i don't know that's just my take i'm biased because i only play asajj against luke so he just dies <laughs> sure but otherwise i haven't sure. seen him in the wild too much i mean yeah i don't know i just like he's he's not bad he's not bad unit. well it's all right let's talk about luke then we were sure. talking about the shell earlier yeah um what do you need to surround him with to make him good then like if he is your focus piece what is your shell 
either to be constructed or pre-constructed as? Is it a gun line? Is it an aggressive list? To me, I think right now, I think this goes for Luke and Ahsoka. They need a backup hero that can that has command cards that like support them really well. Whether that's I, and I think I think both Cassian and Lando like fit that bill. I think pretty handily in that Cassian or Lando's ability to like hand out a standby token to one of them while they're in melee so that you don't have to go early with them. Like that's huge. Um, Cassian's ability to like last stand them or is it volunteer mission? It, well, it's danger um, sense technically both. Vol- well, no, volunteer mission gives you danger sense. Um, last stand gives you a bunch of tokens. Yeah, but or, volunteer or, mission also gives your non-master of the forest dudes a recover. It does give a recover. Yes. Huge. That is that's which, much yeah. Which is gigantic. Um yeah. why Ahsoka has pseudo with her card as well. Yeah, yeah. And and I think being able to kind of like get that free recover on volunteer is is a big deal. You know, if if Luke or Ahsoka takes like three wounds, and then you're just like, all right, I'm gonna like give them three dodge tokens and they're kind of i mean they're not unkillable but uh, any force user with three dodge tokens at the top of the turn in in ahsoka's case four because you're also giving her an order it's like pretty hard to kill yeah um so i don't know i think to me um i think rebels are like in like kind of like a unique situation where i think with empire you're like okay like i'm taking a hero or a focus piece and I'm like kind of building a shell around them with the army. I think with rebels, you're kind of taking a focus piece and then like, what other heroes do I need to support them often? At least that's kind of what's going on in my head because I don't feel like the rebel units really do much to support. Like it it almost feels like the rebel units you take and the rebel heroes you take could be like completely divorced from each other. And like, and and, and you could kind of, as long as you take the same like two or three heroes that you're going to take, like the things that you take with them don't matter that much. To an extent. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty agnostic. You're going to have a couple core that do something similar, but you don't need a specific, I need this vet with CMO and upgrade X. Yeah. Even um, though you're taking a vet with a CMO, but say la vie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I also think, like, when it comes to characters as focus pieces, I think Republic isn't even worth talking about because it kind of breaks the mold on, like, every conversation about this <laughs> ever because yeah, their characters are, like, I don't know. Um, it's That's, like, a topic for another time. But I think, I think CIS fits some of this conversation. Yeah, I actually think CIS is reversed. Okay. Um, I think you build your CIS, and I've played 75 plus games of droids in the last year. Um, <laughs> I think CIS builds your army, and then you just attach your 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 heroes. Oh, interesting. So you... I, I actually think you're, if we're talking about focus pieces, I think your focus pieces in your CIS are, are you taking heavies, aka like tanks, or sure. are you taking triple magna? Yeah. Like, in the list that I've played for a while, the the Magna Guard are the focus piece to the CIS list. And then how do you support them? Do you take the super attack so that you're getting more command cards? Do you take a force user so you have a better W push? 
do you take Cad Bane so that you have a side threat that after they deal with the Magda, they now have to deal with a bounty a bounty hunter. Sure. And I think it kind of works in reverse that way. And if you're taking the Magna, do you want to look at doing a range four poke gun line with like three to four E5S in your RPS rockets? Do you want to look at three to four PK droids and you just say my Magna never die? Um, like there's a lot of focus. Sorry. There's a lot of attention put on your special forces here. And I think that's what your list is built around. It almost works in reverse to the others. Like you can put Grievous, you can put Maul, you can put Asajj paired up with three Magna, and you're going to have a really strong W key list no matter they're, what else is surrounding it. They're all sort still of gonna, interchangeable. Yeah, it's they're all about the same points. They fulfill a similar role. You know, Based on the meta, they'll do different things. If you need better objective grabbing, you can take Maul. If you just need to kill more shit, you can take Asajj. Sorry, stuff, you can take Asajj. <laughs> um, I'm used to my cast. <laughs> my apologies. I'm trying you're to... You're fine. Them. You're totally fine. Um, so that's I think that's where your focus is, is what how do you support your special forces of CIS? If we talk about experimental droids, maybe it's how do you support your full BX? Um, I think th it's the same general premise, though, right? It's yeah. like, how do I support my special forces options, yep. right? Um, whether it be Magnas or BXs in the experimental droid list, like they're kind of doing the same general same list building philosophy there. Yeah. And it's not really command card focused, in my opinion, which is also opposite of what we've done here. It's more about the the shell itself, the units. Magna Guard are good, basically, regardless of what command card you play. I, this is maybe a hot take, but I sort of feel like that's because the Separatist command cards are just kind of bad. Uh, they they suck. <laughs> they're, very, they're very one... So I shouldn't say that. The Separatist command cards are very one-trick pony. Yeah. Um, arguably, the Super Attack 2-Pip is the only one that gives you, like options the disengage than, one yeah it's the yeah. disengage it's the dodge like you can play it as a dodge card if you just need to hold on to a nuke you can play it as a disengage card if you want to dive them and run away from force users you, you have a little bit of play there but like grievances don't really have any tricks they just do what they do yeah. maul has a little bit of it um with the two pip if you i mean i'm stretching here yeah like his, you, you his can one play the pips are just like i get some tokens yeah you know what yeah. his one pips do his his two pips says like maybe i'll infiltrate or maybe i just won't get shot for a turn yeah but that's predetermined from the start of the game and obviously he can't take the the shadow collective mall cards which have the tricks um and then asajj doesn't do anything but kill <laughs> like that's what all of our cards say is like how do i kill you is it a blast attack or is it a lightsaber swing <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that that's also why, um, you know, I think there was a there was a, a a moment a few months ago where everybody was like, Cad Bane is the way in Separatists. Um, feels less like that now, I think. Um, but yeah. I think I, part of that was because his command cards actually did things. Agreed. Yep. And they did things that matched up well with aggressive lists and Cad shreds bikes. And now that that stuff has kind of gone away, the tricks that they have available to them aren't as relevant. You can't send Cad towards Yoda; he just dies. <laughs> yeah. If he yeah, if he true. approaches the if he approaches the shell, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And or Anakin. Yeah. So I guess in that vein, why don't we switch gears here and talk about um, maybe. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people in the community talking about how the how the meta is shifting um, to more defensive. And uh, I think 
a lot of the words I hear being like thrown around are like non-interactive lists um, because they they tend to like to kind of sit and shoot. Um, they're kind of more traditional force user gun lines, um, whether that be like an Anakin gun line or a Yoda gun line, or I mean, like I, I sort of feel like even the rebels are doing this in the Cassie and Ahsoka um gun lines like they 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 play they're obviously very different lists than the republic ones but they operate on a like a similar frequency as far as how they want to like interact with their opponent at, at range and like the force user gets in there at the end of the game and just like messes things up um i, I think you could almost make an analogy that it's very much like a a blue tempo deck where a lot of the interaction is with your own units and then just stopping your opponent like you don't actually do things with your opponent you just say nah that doesn't happen sure it's kind yeah. of like holding up counter spell if we're yeah. making like a magic analogy like those 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 lists are very control-esque style shells specifically yoda i think is agreed is the biggest thing um so um, I, I guess I, I wanted to open it up and be like, do you guys feel like the game is like less fun because of that? I personally find the the high level, and I'm calling them high level because I, I feel like they're extremely technical um, games where you are jockeying for position. One person moves up, the other person moves back so they don't use a unit and they're kind of like, we're kind of, playing chess across the board and nobody loses a unit in turn till until like turn five maybe maybe never you know um those lists to me is someone who's played like a lot of competitive legion like those are the games that i have fun playing when we're like blowing units off the table and um like it, it kind of devolves into like a messy scrum in the middle of the board early on are they exciting? Yeah, I guess. But like, I don't find them. I don't find uh, the fun I have is like uh, controlling the situation and figuring out a way out. And a lot of the time when the game just gets that wild early on with some like kind of the previous iteration of the meta where there was like a lot of W key. It was a lot of like speeder bike shenanigans. Uh, Blizzard was there all the time um you you kind of just like had to grip the side of your chair and hope you you held on for dear life you know you know what i mean and and mm -hmm. like like you were you were still making decisions but you could make all the right decisions and still lose the game pretty handily um in those situations anyone who has listened to me talk for a while uh knows that i hate variants um <laughs> <laughs> to uh to a high degree so that's why I play dice games, but that's, <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy the more push and pull poke and prod list styles because it lets you live and die by your decision-making and your timings. Yeah. Um, I've been on a hiatus for like the last seven months until like the last 60 days and sorry, seven of the last nine months I've kind of been on a hiatus and I've come back as the style of like push and pull gun line has returned a little bit um, because that's, that is what I enjoy. I don't really like the turn two and half of my army is dead and half of yours is dead and we'll see what happens over our last 
you know, six activations over the next turn. Yeah. Um, I I do like to to either win or lose because I made the correct or incorrect choices. Um, so I I don't necessarily think it's a problem. It's definitely a different dopamine hit. Um, it feeds <laughs> the ego more than like the loot box does. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, so I, I do think it's less fun to watch. Like high competitive Legion right now is not super entertaining to watch. It's not super entertaining to stream. You kind of have to turn it into a podcast because there's not a lot happening. <laughs> um, but it's just it's a different style of play, and I don't think it's any worse. I personally like it. Um, I think it's harder, but you know, it's it's definitely more boring for the for the viewer. The I think part of it too is that the three of us are like uh, big tournament gamers, right? And when you're playing three, six, nine, twelve games over a few days, if the games are all pushed forward and hit each other, um, those get very repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, and especially for us who, I mean, I don't play, I don't play seventy five games anymore. But uh, the when we all sort of know the matchups and know that stuff, like. List X crashes into like X Y or list Y. We kind of know what'll happen if they just kind of punch into each other. Whereas if you have two more defensive lists, um, it comes a lot more down to the skill of players and just like there's a lot of different things that could happen. Even though it might not look like it's different, like it might just look from afar like it's two armies in a ball just kind of looking at each other. Um, the like nuances of how they're positioned and the terrain and stuff is like what I think three of us enjoy a lot. Yeah, I definitely think I get the sense that a lot of people like watch these games happen and their sense is that like nothing's happening. Like as 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 like you like move units like within your kind of little pocket and stuff. Whereas I think I think the opposite is actually happening. Like each little shift like greatly like it expands your threat range the next turn. It 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 projects power into a por- portion of the board that it wasn't before, right? Yeah, you might have only moved up two inches, but that two inches could be like super vital to how like the game's going to play out, you know, over the course of the next few turns. And a lot of it is kind of like future-proofing what is going to happen to you two to three turns from now, right? Um, and I think, I don't know, I, I just, I it's just really fun. I find that insanely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I do. I think that that's a, I do think that your last comment is a pretty broad stroke. And I do believe that what people enjoy or don't enjoy does come down to their community and their niche quite a bit. That's fair. Um, so like if I go, I'll use two just slightly different examples. If I go to Friday night magic and I bring just like a control deck, like a lot of people don't really want to play against you. Cause it's not very fun. It's sure. not, it's sure. not explosive. It's not engaging. If I'm playing like Counter Strike or Valorant, they don't want to play against triple controllers and there's smokes everywhere and you can't see shit. Like it's not very fun. It's not very engaging. Yeah. But it's a different level of thinking that tends to be reserved more for that like competitive play. And I don't, a lot of people that are tuning in to watch streams, a lot of just like local game nights are there because it's like one to two games a week that they can maybe get out and play at a time. And I think that a lot of people want to do things. And sure. if you can only make one big tournament a year because travel is expensive and the world is getting more expensive, yeah, you want your you want to be doing things. You don't want to like go to an event and just, you know, I threw six two die dice pools across this game. Like no, I threw fifty two black dice in two turns with my Magna Guard. Like I had a lot of fun, and I think that influences 
quite a bit. It's just the ability of people to get out to play to to make it to events. And is that good or bad? I don't really know. <laughs> I, th- I, I think, that's I think a it's fair statement. Yeah. Um, I, I, like I said, I still prefer the slower tempo, yeah. but I, I definitely see the reasons as to why people enjoy more like Shatterpoint esque Legion games. And and also like don't let someone yuck your yum. If you enjoy showing up and like throwing a bunch of dice, uh, and vice versa, if you enjoy showing up and being super defensive, like we're here to have fun. This is a hobby. Don't do what you like, right? Um, yeah. No, I I think that those are both really good points. I I do think, you know, as to a lot of points that I've heard like lately have kind of been centered around like are are games good to watch? Like, is that good? Like, is the current state of the meta good for the game? From like uh, getting people involved and and making them excited about it and things like that. Um, I don't know how much of that, like what's going on in the competitive sphere actually like really translates to how excited people get about the game. I I feel like I'm like, we live in kind of a sphere where like, we're just like sitting in competitive land all the time. So it's hard to divorce what's going on competitively from how the game feels just generally. I think, go ahead. At at conventions and stores, people aren't coming over to say, oh, what's that? That move looks super cool. It's, Oh my god, it's Vader. Oh yeah. my god, it's an ATST, right? The what draws people in is less to do with what's happening on the table. That'll keep them or make them push them away, depending on what they like in games. But what draws the eye is, oh my god, Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it took the words out of my mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't be worried about it like not bringing people in, because like Tim said, a sweetly painted Vader is going to bring people over, regardless of if Vader is in my deployment zone or in the middle of your army. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's um, fair. And I also, hot take, you could make a pretty valid argument the competitive community at large is like 250 players in the U.S., that might even be a little large. It might be a little large. I'm <laughs> I'm just kind of going off the people that like don't have Discord that just yeah. like I yeah. mentioned can't travel to events for cost yeah. reasons. Is that 250? Like, I don't know if tailoring the game so that they enjoy it more is the right way to go. I'm not sure that's what we've done. I think I do think sure. it's a prevalent style, but I think that we should probably just take a step back there as well because the the local store scene is what's going to keep the game going. And yep. if it does move a little faster or you do have more of that W point, it's it's probably going to draw more people over that way. Or at least keep more people. Or at least keep or at least keep their attention. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's fair. I definitely think like using magic is like an analogous thing. Like formats and magic tend to be more exciting when there's like a red deck wins in this in in the pile somewhere. Right. And um yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> i mean i I, th- I think that, that i think that that's true it is it is true, right? it's true. like like games, games are more exciting to watch yes the game might be over on turn four in a magic match which for those of you that may be unfamiliar with magic is quite early um but, but like only if you're playing standard only sure. <laughs> um but you know yeah uh, i definitely think that's fair yeah. I think it's a valid topic to have. Um, I I do get disappointed when people like shit on slower play. I shouldn't say slower when people because I shit on slow play. 
when people shit on like <laughs> more tactical play, um, it's definitely a different style. It's okay that things go in waves. Um, and I'm not even a hundred percent sure that we're in that meta. If you look uh, at, if yeah. you look across the pond and you just look at England specifically, uh, oh, just take, wild. take Lila, uh, who was the runner up for worlds. Her pink suns list is pure W and will destroy half of the things as soon as they line up across the table. And it still requires tactical play and it still goes against some of these push pull lists, but you can still like if moving forward quickly is your thing, you can do it and you can do it competitively. Yeah. I think, I think so some too. of it, some of it is group think and just, you can try other stuff. They're definitely, I think, um, Good metas, metas evolve in pockets, right? Like, um, and I think, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people like to go with the flow instead of trying to make their own way i think and 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 when you don't make your own way it's hard to find new things that work right like i think a large part of like what is unique about like the english meta generally is like they come up with some like bonkers off the wall stuff but it, but it's because they're trying like everything the, the English meta is the drunk uncle at the edge of the table. He <laughs> says a lot of stuff, and every once in a while you go, that, that was a kind of good of a, that was a good idea. <laughs> I mean, they, they've had a few good ideas. They just play a lot of games. They do. Yeah. Um, I, know, they, I, I made the 75 game joke. I was like, man, that's like a month of play for them. Yeah, the, I, uh, my, the article that's coming out on Friday is, that I'm doing is like, how many reps do you need to do at a tournament? And I almost didn't even want to ask Andrew because like he's like uh his thing was like ten games for like a local tournament with a local tournament worlds wouldn't even consider playing anything I haven't played fifty games with. And I'm like, have I played fifty games in the last two years? I don't know. <laughs> I not. will say after kind of like we've really like cultivated like my local store scene, I think I'm I'm closer to being on team andrew here that then like now now that i have like a good base of players that like are available to me like i i get i could give like six games in, in a week like really easy if i wanted to that must be nice it, it is it, it totally is i'm i'm no, Some of us are no going question. for work 13 hours a day yeah, <laughs> yeah that's fair that's fair um but I it's mean, definitely I mean, more, yeah. more is better but like yeah. it is very dependent on your local community and like your own time and money and stuff um i mean back in the yield covid days when gts was a thing i was playing there were there were weeks where i was playing like two games a day <laughs> yeah yeah the three months i was like technically unemployed for covid i probably played 150 games yep Cause like, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> Not leaving the house. So, yeah, yeah. I guess we're playing uh, Legion TTS. Yeah, like that's very yeah. fair. Um, nice. So I think that was a good conversation about that overall. I um, that was not where I thought we were gonna end up, but I'm happy with it. It never is where we think we're gonna end up. Yeah, yeah. Usually, usually the worst podcasts are the ones where we actually plan them and get to where we want. 
Yeah, you sort of get there early, and then you're like, oh, we don't have anything else to talk about, so I guess, you know. We do things very differently. Mine's pretty outlined. Your podcast? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh. You know, sometimes it's just good to talk, you know? Yeah. Um, I like the bullet point outlines. Not like word for word, but I'm going to say yeah, 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 no. yeah. yeah. A, a bullet point outline is a great way to do presentations slash podcasts. Yeah. I, I work in healthcare. I need some sort of structure. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's no structure in my life. I I like winging it. So, um, uh, speaking of winging it, you you brought up your plug earlier about the uh, the show. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet idea. Were you looking at doing like video breakdowns of it? If you wanted yeah. to talk about it at all. Yeah. So I I'm planning on uploading it to the Fifth Trooper YouTube. Um, and I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna release it. A couple of weeks early to patreon members um and the the general sense of what i'm trying to do with this is um i i was inspired by evan paul um doc Bailo, who put up a great article i think last week or the week before on tft about um like taking an engagement or a fight and and we kind of had like he had been having like a backroom conversation with all of the tft members about like how to convey like those principles and methodologies and stuff and i think even after we talked about it and even after he wrote an article and everything like it's very complicated to teach someone how to play good legion like it's yeah. there's a lot of things that are based on feel or like the situations are just so unique every time that you really need to just have been in a ton of situations to know what to do in a given situation. Like you could be in basically the same situation in like four different variations of it. And the thing you do is like completely different every time based on small changes to the situation. Uh, like things like just having like one less activation than your opponent can, can completely change how, you you play play a certain game state um and my goal for this was not to like stand up and be like yo ask me your questions and i'll tell you how to be right but more to i get people in the mindset of thinking the way a competitive legion player does like in the moment um and, and like how to handle those situations as they arise, you know, like, okay, the turn zero battle cards flipped. We're looking at our lists. Like what, what things need to be running through my head right, right now in this specific situation. And hopefully people can take that and kind of use it to elaborate on themselves is my hope. Um, Cause I, I mean, I make decisions all the time that are wrong. But 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 I think it's the process of making the decisions that's important, right? Yeah, um, Legion's kind of like a five D ride because not only do you have the three D movement, but you've got the four D of how many tokens do I have, and then the fifth D of like, what does my opponent have that I don't? Like, there's just there's so many unique variables with and, the way that the game is structured that it's impossible to have a set plan. It's not a card game. Yeah, I mean, and even like, you know, you you take. I, I bring up the StarCraft analogy a lot because I think that the the idea of like things in StarCraft and things in Legion are like very face up 
a lot of the time as far as like you know in starcraft exactly what is available to your opponent like they may have like done a different build and maybe you didn't scout it or whatever but like as long as you're scouting them like you know what's going on and legion is very similar in that if you know the meta and you've like done your homework you know what the lists are so you know what abilities your opponent has at all times um so the question starts to be like the the like in magic you can like bluff if you have something right you can't really bluff in legion like you can bluff that you're going to do something which i think is maybe a little bit more interesting and that like your opponent knows you have it are you going to do it which is part of why i think like you know not to go back to commander luke but like commander luke can like he can bluff and and jedi in general like just them threatening a dive or bluffing a dive is an incredibly powerful move to just have on the table at any given point in a legion game um and how that influences how you need to play the game because your opponent is threatening that and you can't just let them have it and how to play around that sequence is incredibly complicated I think bluffing is a big part of the push pull. I'm not going to refer to our slower meta as like the push pull concept. I think bluffing is a large part of that because if you take two, we'll say clone gun lines and Anakin versus a Yoda against each other, if you throw your phase two unit forward and you know, you're kind of at like range three and a half, four and a half next turn, like your opponent has to be aware of, is this, is this a feint? Are they trying to draw me into a shot because they have a plan? Are they actually going to come forward? That, like a lot of that thinking is really complicated and is there isn't necessarily a correct answer there's just a right decision tree to look forward to yeah and like actually breaking that down situation by situation is nearly impossible to do with a rigid guideline yeah and and that's the issue that i you know when we were talking about like how to come up with these kind of like hard and fast rules to like teach people how to play good legion is that like the hard and fast rules like work until they don't and they don't like quickly like it's it's yeah. it's quick um, oh yeah and and going back to the starcraft thing like you've you've got all of these variables in play and you're figuring it out well in starcraft the map is the same every time or you're playing on like the same five maps like the map never changes. You you know what all the distances are. You know that it takes your opponent's Zerglings 20 seconds to get to your base once they hatch. And, you know, like they can't have X, Y, or Z before minute five or minute six or whatever. In Legion, if there's a terrain piece in a slightly different spot, it completely changes the game. Like it completely changes the timing on where things can get, how fast they can get there. Like Legion is not... Like even with the new climb rules, it's not a two-dimensional game in in like how units move around the board and the speed at which they do that, really. Not fundamentally. Like you can sort of break it down that way if you're trying, but in practice, it just doesn't work like that. You could make a valid argument that the most important thing about every Legion game when you walk up to a table is what's in the middle. Like what piece of terrain is at the middle point of the board, and then your entire game plan is arguably based around that. Uh, do I pick table side? What objectives do I want? And what does my opponent have to deal with that terrain piece that I do or do not have? Yeah, I, I certainly think that that's where it starts, right? Like that is definitely like you walk up to a table and you need to decide if you need to pick a table side or not. 
Like that's a, that's a big deal. And it's particularly big right now. Um, Especially if you play drones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, or rebels, right? Like, you know, I mean, I think clones and empire can get away with it more. Um, but like you, you need to, you need to pick your board side and you, you, a lot of the time and knowing when you need to pick a board side is important when you are, when you also need your battle deck, right? Like sometimes you need to give up your battle deck to take a board side. Um, and knowing when to do that is hard because you've paid for bidding and it feels bad to give it up. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The, uh, yeah, and we we also talked like a lot about decision trees and stuff, um, and like when I'm trying to like teach players like to go from that level of like beginner slash intermediate to like better, I'm often thinking about like so you have like all your decision trees, but you also have like the decisions themselves, like what you can actually do, like you have the abilities, but what you can do with them, and like a lot of the time how you learn is like you get knifed with a thing, then you take that knife, put it in your tool belt. And you need to learn what's in your tool belt, and you also need to learn when to take all those things out. Um, and like that's a pretty complicated learning process where you not only have to learn when to do something, but like what you can even do. Yeah, and I think t- to that end, like you just have to like go back and look at it every time and learn from it because often the thing that you learned first is often not even applicable to the thing that you learn last because you should have never been in the situation you were in the first place because you made like 20 mistakes to put you in a position to make the wrong decision at that point. And the reason that that, like the fact that that decision was bad didn't even, shouldn't even really matter because you should have never been there, Yep. you, you know? Um, but like, just just like unraveling that is complicated um and you have to do it piece by piece um so i guess mike to go back to your original question my hope is that we can (laughs) unravel these super complicated situations piece by piece um maybe as a community and and talk through it and in a way that is um very example driven because i think it's easy to kind of like sit on a, you know, we all get on podcasts all the time and kind of talk, talk about it. But I think a lot gets lost in the words and the shuffle of us talking theoretics and not actually putting like a concrete situation in front of people and being like, this is what's going on. This is what you should be thinking about. This is, this is how you should be moving in this situation. Just as, you know, simple as simple as like, you're playing a W key list and understanding the situations that you shouldn't W key into your opponent. Like, um, cause that's, people don't do <laughs> that's that. That's a thing. That's yeah. a thing, that's right? A thing. <laughs> you know? Um, and, 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 and knowing when that is, is, um, you know, I see it a lot with the, the Woogie Defenders Battle Force that's out now is that I see my opponent just like, uh, all my opponents just like line up across the table, they recon Intel towards me. And then they just like, they move. And I'm like, okay, well, you shouldn't have done that, but they don't like, that's what they feel like their list is designed to do. And there are other ways to play that list. Right. Um, in similar ways that there are other ways to play blizzard or, you know, like a lot of people were like, Oh yeah, just, just like go in with blizzard and kill everything. And like, that's the game. And there are some games you should do that. And there are some games that you should hold your bikes back and not really attack them until turn six. Right. Yeah. Yep. Anywho. That's what I'm doing. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I uh, the the um, the response in Discord today was uh, heartwarming, and that I think a lot of people are looking forward to it. So um, it'll be good, good to good to get that out there. And um, yeah. So, anything else you guys want to talk about today, or elaborate on from these conversations we've had? There's snow on the ground. There's snow on the ground. We're going to talk about weather, Tim. It's going to be 71 <laughs> degrees we tomorrow. so close. I, did you say 90 degrees? 71 degrees tomorrow. That means it's going to be even warmer here. I'm I'm fact-checking you on that right now because it doesn't feel warm. There's been multiple days or multiple inches of snow falling here already. He's right. It's going to be 75 tomorrow. I'm no. going to be in short sleeves in November. I'm going to go wear <laughs> some shorts outside. It's going to be great. How does that make you feel, Tim? I mean, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> At least your taxes do something. What? <laughs> also, hockey rinks are not super super warm right now, so that's great. It's the perfect temperature outside for hockey rinks. All right. Well, we're going to land this plane since we're now talking <laughs> about weather. In fairness, I feel like we normally open with that. And I very like fundamentally tried to avoid it today. I was like, I'm not <laughs> asking people how they are because it's always like an awkward opener. <laughs> we're, Let, we're just going to die. La, last time we, I was on, we talked about weather and it snowed the next day or something. So really? Okay. Yeah. Well, you're going to get a blizzard tomorrow. It's going to snow 10 feet and you're not going to have to go to school. You don't understand that literally could happen. Okay. Well, I have just willed it into existence. Uh, it's yeah. Last time I was on Scoundrels, we were talking about LBO 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Let's. Ooh. That was a long I mean, time ago. <laughs> did, LBO 2020 was not the canceled one, right? That was the one we all went to, right? Uh, that was the one where I like died. Yeah. That was where everybody came home sick and we yeah. was probably yeah. COVID and we just didn't know it yet. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's where I lost 40 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Fair. <laughs> Um, all right well <laughs> this has been the notorious scoundrels podcast dad's been away so we figured we'd we'd have a fun time my name's mike my name's mike i'm timbo and we will see you next time stay fresh cheese bags i think that's the quote that's the line that's he the said line it. he Woo! said it <laughs> <sighs>